right. So, um, just to re-explain this, uh, this is called Human, you know, so welcome Thank you. to uh, your episode of Human, and today's guest is Jamie Martinez, um, and we're going to be talking about you yeah. and your life experiences, man, and what you think make up you and who you are. So uh, I will give you the mic. Thank you. Well, first, I want to start by saying thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, I really do appreciate you reaching out. Uh, it's kind of honoring. <laughs> I feel a little honored to be on this, uh, this podcast that, you're, uh, that you've made. So um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, at the time of this recording, uh, I am currently 25 years old, uh, 25-year-old male. Um, and uh, I guess... I'll go back from the very beginning and uh, just talk about uh, my experiences uh, in life to what led me to be the type of person that I am today. Um, I was uh, born in New York City, um, in Queens, New York, Elmhurst, Queens, New York, uh, in 1994, June 13th, 1994. And uh, my, uh, my parents were together. They weren't married, but they were together. Uh, my father is Colombian and my mother is Puerto Rican. Um, so I am uh, Hispanic, uh, of Hispanic background. Um, and when I was born, I was actually born with a defect. Uh, I was born with a heart defect um, known as uh, Tetralogy of Fallot, uh, which means that there pretty much means that there's four issues wrong with the heart. Um, one of them being a hole in the middle of the heart that separates the two chambers uh, that, that blocks different, uh, uh, different types of blood from, from intermixing. Um, unfortunately, I had a hole in my heart which was mixing different kinds of blood together, which was not very good at all. Um, however, fortunately, I didn't have all four issues. I think I had either, I'm not sure about this, I think I had two or three of the issues wrong with my heart. I didn't have all four, I know that for a fact. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, born with that issue, and uh, instead of, they, they knew that I was, that I had that condition before I was even born. You know, the doctors with the echo and everything with my mother, they, they, they knew that it was, it was something pre-existing. Um, and uh, they didn't want to do the surgery as soon as I was born because, you know, it's an infant and it's such a heavy, uh, intense surgery um, that they wanted to wait a little bit and for me to, to gain some weight, you know, uh, because post-surgery you lose a lot of weight and everything. So, um, so I had the surgery when I was seven months old in, in, in New York. And uh, my mother just went through one of the worst times in her life, you know. Uh, this is her second child at the time, her, her son, her baby, and uh, this is something new that she hasn't experienced yet. Uh, having, having a child with a defect, um, and uh, she, she was going through it, you know, she was going through a lot. Uh, it was very intensive surgery, uh, almost an all-day procedure because you're dealing with one of the most sensitive organs in the entire body, uh, and such a small, fragile organ because it, uh, it being an infant um, and I am very grateful uh, to to have made it 
um, because it's not a hundred percent success. You know, any I'm not I'm not saying that every surgery is 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 easy. I'm not saying that every surgery is difficult. There's always risk with every surgery, um, but even more so with with a heart surgery, because there's many complications that can come with it. You know, even either during surgery or post op. Um, and I just thank uh, God and and the incredible. Uh, talented surgical staff that that operated on me during that time. So, um, so now I live with that for the rest of my life. Uh, they they patched the hole in my heart, and uh, I have a scar on my chest, um, uh, showing that I had I had surgery. Um, and every every couple years or so, every every one or two years, I go back and I get it checked, just to make sure that the repair and everything is still holding, and my heart isn't stressed. Uh, about any type of uh, defect or anything or complication, uh, and that's lifelong checkup. It's not. It doesn't stop when I'm 30. It doesn't stop when I'm 50. I have to go to my cardiologist uh, my entire life, and just to make sure everything's okay. So there is the risk that something may go wrong, and I have to go back under. Um, you know, God willing, that doesn't never happens, um, but. You never know. So, but some 25 years later, uh, I'm okay. I live a pretty much near normal life. Uh, you know, my doctor, my, my, my cardiologist, they still give me some limitations about watching myself in the heat and stuff like that. But uh, they said for the most part, compared to other children that had this before and to, compared to the children that are now my age who don't have it as easy, you know, I'm very fortunate that mine wasn't as extreme as other people. Um, so, so that happened to me. And uh, a few years later, we moved to, to Philadelphia uh, in North Philly. We lived in North Philly for a few years. And um, uh, I started to go to school. You know, I started to go to, to pre-K and, and kindergarten and stuff like that. And... Uh, a couple years we lived there for a few years and then we moved out into Delaware County uh, I won't get into detail as to why that happened and such like that but that you know we, we did move and uh, by this time it's just me and uh, my older sister and my mother uh, us three living in Delaware County now and I'm now uh, this is probably around 1999-ish maybe 2000, I'm not sure. Um, we moved out here, around here, and I start going to school. I'm starting, you know, uh, first grade and stuff like that. And um, I, I get surrounded by all different types of cultures. You know, the, the school that I'm in, at a very young age, I was exposed to different types of cultures, you know, white, black, Asian, Puerto Rican, you know, Mexican, all different types. And, uh, I was never raised to be uh, hateful or, or you know, uh, racist towards any type of groups of people. It's just not who I am. And, uh, and I was taught that at a very young age not to be like that because of where I came from and where my family comes from. Um, so I, I live out here for a few more years actually for a lot more, <laughs> um, you know, I go, I go to middle school, 
element well elementary school middle school um and uh I, I start to make really really good friends friends that who i still talk to to this day they know who they are um but there was always there was always something about me personally with my own identification um that i don't struggle with as much anymore and that's and i've seen this online with other youtube like other youtubers or or any type of person like on facebook that you know they share this this same common uh insecurity and that's that's the the fear not fear but that's the idea of not being not being enough in your own culture for me i'm i'm puerto rican and colombian and when i speak to people who i haven't spoke to before or who I'm just meeting uh, their first instinct is you're white because of the way you speak because of the way you look oh you're you're you must be Italian or you must be German or Irish or something like that because you don't have that typical Spanish accent you know you don't have that Philly accent you know being raised in North Philly with other Hispanics or or in New York you weren't raised in New York or anything like that you speak you know, they, they tell me, you speak very enunciated, you speak very proper, you know. Uh, so people, they usually don't know that I'm Hispanic until they, they learn what my last name is, Martinez. And uh, it, it bothered me when I was younger. It bothered me when I was little because I wanted to belong to a culture. I wanted to belong to a group of people. I didn't know, I mean, I, I knew that I was Puerto Rican, but I didn't know exactly if I was quote unquote Puerto Rican enough because I love the food, um, but to this day, I still struggle speaking Spanish. Um, I don't have that Spanish accent. Uh, you know, it, I can't dance Spanish, you know, uh, dances and stuff like that. Um, but because of that, that made me feel some type of way growing up. And having, growing up around here, you tend to, as a kid, I mean, it's changed now, but when I was growing up around here, I had a lot more white and black friends than other Hispanic friends. Very little, if any. Um, so I didn't really have that type of friendship with another person who's Hispanic to, to connect to. Um, or to, you know, to relate to. So years, years of this has passed of me, you know, of being called by people, you know, my people that I went to school with and unfortunately even some parts of my family, even though it, they're, it's all in good fun and they're just, you know, making fun or, uh, you know, just having good fun and everything. But it's still, sometimes it would still get to me, you know, when they say, oh, you're so white. Or, oh, you know, you're, you're whitewashed. You're a whitewashed Hispanic person. You're a whitewashed Puerto Rican, you know. But then you'll get bashed if you're, if you're the cliche, stereotypical Puerto Rican or Spanish, uh, Hispanic person, you know. Um, so I went to three different high schools during my high school career, I guess, my four years of high school, uh, because after we moved out here, Something personal happened with my mother um, where we had to move 
and we moved back to Philadelphia. We moved back to North Philly. And my mother didn't want me to go to a, a high school, a public school in North Philly. And I was beginning, I was going to be a freshman. This was like 2009. Uh, so we used somebody else's address so I can go to school still in Delaware County. <clears throat> So I went to, for one year, for my freshman year, I went to Upper Darby High School. Uh, I liked it. I made a lot of good friends. Some of them I still talk to this day. Uh, again, they know who they are, if you're, if you're listening to this. Um, so I went there for one year. And then the next year, we couldn't use that person's address anymore. So for my sophomore year, I actually went to uh, a charter school in, in Philadelphia. Um, very nice charter school, very diverse, great teachers, um, a lot of different cultures mixing in, you know, you had a lot of different people from different bra- uh, backgrounds. Um, so I went there for one year. And during my time there, I, I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I, the feeling of not being enough was still really really on me during that time because because the charter school was in North Philly it had a very very strong predominant uh, it was predominantly Hispanic a lot of Mexican uh, Ecuadorian Colombian Puerto Rican a lot of Spanish uh, speaking uh, students excuse me and um you know, I went there and they would hear my last name and, you know, I would try to make friends and, and I did. I, I made friends and acquaintances and stuff over time, but it was always the same thing. It was always the same thing when, when they first met me or the first few times of meeting me, you know, oh, you know, are you, where are you from? Like, are you white? Like, are you, are you real? Like, are you a hundred percent Puerto Rican? Are you half white? Like, are you're not from around here, like, you know, because you, cause you talk white. Oh, you speak white. You know, you're not really Puerto Rican, you know. But I am because we, if you take a look at our upbringings, if you, if, if you and I were to compare each other's upbringings, you know, we would come from very similar households, the Spanish household, you know, of, of very similar family tropes, uh, rituals, habits, stuff like that. And I enjoy the same things that you enjoy when it comes to your culture because we're from the same culture. So why are you bashing me and why are you not accepting me into your, quote unquote, your community, your group of people, just because I speak slightly different from you, just because I have a different voice, just because I, I, you know, I'm not into the same things as you are. So that really bothered me, you know, that, that I, I went there for one year. It was a very, very strict charter school over time. You know, they, I guess got used to me or or something, or they accepted me. Um, and it, it started to be okay, but that still, that didn't help me with my identity, uh, thing or issue going on of, of who, who am I really, you know? Am I, am I just, because I would think to myself, you know, am I really just 
a whitewashed, you know, Puerto Rican? Am I really, or am I really Puerto Rican and Colombian, or you know, am I just an Americanized? Even though I want to, I don't want to say Americanized Puerto Rican because Puerto Ricans are Americans, um, but am I just you know, culture culturally different, you know, raised different? And I said no, like you know, it's I was raised in a Spanish household with my mom eating the same food that they would eat, you know, listening to the same music, watching the same TV show. It, it, it's the same as any other Spanish-speaking or, or uh, young Puerto Rican being raised at that time. It's the same thing. Uh, it's just the, in their mindset, I'm different because I don't speak Spanish and I don't sound like them. So that, that really hurt me. You know, that, that really bothered me. And that, you know... Took me a quite some time to get over, so. Um, so after that, I, I moved back around here and I finished my high school years, both my junior and senior year, at Academy Park, and I felt great about that because, uh, a lot of people that I had known, previously from my middle school days, I reconnected and I rekindled old friendships. Uh, from my middle school days at Academy Park. And I made new ones. I made new friendships with people who I didn't meet in my middle school and elementary school days. Um, and I, I really liked it there. Even though it gets, you know, such a bad rap and everything that it, it gets. And uh, I'm not saying that it's a fantastic school. I'm not saying that it's the best school. But for my personal experience there, I felt more... I don't want to say accepted, but I mean, it kind of is. I, I felt more, yeah, just overall in a better mindset because the area was familiar to me. The people were familiar with me. Uh, just overall, it was a better experience for myself. And I even say this to this day, and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming my mother or anybody to why this happened to me. But I still wish to this day that I would, I would have stayed in one high school all four years instead of flip-flopping year after year, you know, because that would have given me the chance to, you know, potentially join an extracurricular activities, you know, maybe join some type of club, you know, uh, anything really. And it would have been more, I would have had more camaraderie with the people that I've had in the two years in, in, in uh, Academy Park, if I would have stayed the entire four years. But... It's okay because those two years that I got from Academy Park, the junior and senior year, uh, was really great. You know, uh, definitely some ups and downs. Uh, more ups, thank God, than downs. Um, there was the whole thing of my credits weren't transferring from the school that I went to Philly. So in the system, it didn't match up. So in the computer system, they had me listed as a sophomore, even though I was a junior. And because I was listed as a sophomore in the computer system, I couldn't go to my own junior prom. Uh, it was it was this whole whole big thing as to what yeah yeah I couldn't even go to junior prom. I had to wait to my senior prom. I had to double up. I had to double up on gym one semester because I had to catch up. I had to take gym uh, every day. I had to take two courses of gym in one semester. How can you do that? You have to do you have to do gym every single day. So for one semester, I did gym every single day just so I can get caught up so I can graduate on time. You know, I wanted to graduate on time. 
Uh, so that happens, and uh, I finished my high school years at Academy Park. I graduated from Academy Park, and um, uh, I eventually, you know, I, I go to community college for a few years, and uh, some some curveballs were have been thrown at me uh, so far which that happens in life, you know, and I still am trying to figure out exactly what I want to do in life, which is normal mm-hmm. with, with people our age. It's, it's very normal. Um, I'm currently finding a passion and I've, I found this passion a while back of entertaining. Mm-hmm. I love entertaining. I love performing on stage with the band that I'm in. Uh, I love the music that I perform. Um, I feel like that in of itself is my calling of, of what I want to do with the rest of my life to, to travel the country with, with my good friends and, and play shows with them and uh, just be happy with them and just see other things and meet new people and just, just see, you know, eventually the world and everything. Um, but I know, you know, half of me is also a little bit of a realist and I know that... Uh, I gotta bring myself back to earth, and I gotta I gotta think of something exactly what I want to do, you know, realistically, because um, that's not guaranteed. A lot of things in life aren't guaranteed, and I've learned that too. You know, um, that very few things in life are guaranteed. You know, so you just have to roll with the punches, and you gotta make the good times last as long as they can. Um, that way, the when the bad times come, they don't they don't swallow you up whole, you know. Uh, so going back, um, being raised uh, in in a Spanish household, I was also very much raised in a somewhat of a black household too. My mother married a a, a black man, and uh, they had my little sister together. And they were together for quite some time. Um, and they... They would... Uh, i trying to think, sorry. Um, so I would go... We would go to his family's house a lot. Or his family's, like, get-togethers and everything. And they would introduce me and I would be, you know, part of them. You know, very, very comforting, you know, the the his aunts, his mother, his father, uncles, cousins, very big, big black family. And, uh, they accepted us. Uh, you know, they married and I went to, uh, <laughs> I went to, to Baptist church. I went to, you know, black church. I don't want to call it black church, but I, I went to black church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I went to Baptist church for, for, uh, good, a good amount, uh, a couple years. Uh, so it's, I, I can relate to that point when I see like these funny videos and funny <laughs> pictures or when, when somebody says something about Baptist church and stuff like that. And, you know, I laugh about it, you know, and, and sometimes I get the whole like, what you know about that, Jamie? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you really know about that? And then I have to explain it. Like, look, I went, I went there for, you know, three, three, four, maybe even five years, you know, every Sunday, every Sunday we would go, we would get dressed up and we would go to church from, from, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's a very long service, and they would just 
praise the Lord. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would experience that, you know, so I had the experience of that and, and my grandmother, uh, who isn't my biological grandmother, but she was very, very close to me, very close to me. I, I, I always consider her my grandmother. She wasn't biological, but you know, it, it doesn't matter to me. She, she was black and, uh, all my cousins and, and me and, you know, we would all go over there and hang out and, and sleep over for, for days. And, uh, <laughs> we would play PlayStation. We would go to the corner store cause she lived in West Philly and, uh, like Overbrook area. And we would just, we would watch movies and just spend time with her in the kitchen. And, and it was awesome, man. And it, it really was very, very, very good time. Very good time. You know? And that was another example of me being raised in a different type of household that's not Spanish, but it's also not white, you know? I may sound and I may look white, but I was never raised around, you know, in a, in a white household. You know, I, I don't have white parents. I don't know. I was raised in a very cultural-filled uh, household. You know, I had, I had the whole, you know, black side growing up with him being involved in our in our upbringing and my upbringing you know I had the Spanish as well with my mother when my grandmother when I would go over there and uh, I would learn a lot you know I would learn a lot from from Spanish my, my from my cousins on my mom's side and everything and I would learn a lot from the cousins and everything from his side and from my grandmother's side and you know uh, it was just it was a it was a lot to take in you know especially especially at a young age. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I didn't grow up in, in a one-dimensional household where it's just, this is our traditions, this is what we do, you know, and that's it. Our, our extended family is also the same way. So the only, time, the only time you're actually gonna experience another culture is if you go to your friend's house or if you marry someone from a different culture. You know, I'm very grateful that that didn't happen to me. You know, because I feel like me being raised from both sides, that allowed me to, to relate and to connect with people who had similar backgrounds. You know, I have a lot of black friends. I have a lot of Spanish friends. I have a lot of white friends because I can relate so much to each and every one of them. You know, when... <laughs> When, when one of my black friends, you know, share a, a funny meme or a picture on Facebook that, that's like, you know, supposed to be quote unquote, like, you know, black people humor or whatever. I also get it because I was, I was, I experienced that growing up, you know? And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, when your mom beats your ass or some shit and you're like, you're crying at home, like in your, in your, you know, bed, like trying not to let her hear you or some shit like some stupid shit like that, you know, I would, I would relate to it, you know, even talking to you when I lived here and, and we would like, you know, uh, listen to different types of music or just share stories and stuff like that. And even working in the medical field, you know, working with, working with people, older, older women who were like around my grandmother's age and, you know, working with them and they would put on like you know, the radio and it would be R&B and, 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 you know, uh, WDAS and all that stuff. Quiet Storm. The Quiet Storm, <laughs> right. And when it would be that and they would like hear me humming it, like the music, the songs or singing it. 
and they would look at me like so shocked. They'd be like, "What you know about that? Like, what you know about you know different that type of you know R and B and stuff like that? What you know about Bobby Brown and Michael Jackson and stuff like that?" And I would have to, yeah, you know, I would explain to them like you know I was raised listening to that because my sister's father, Malcolm, the the man that my mother married, that's what he would put on in the car. And I was young. I was like you know ten, eleven years old in the car, and he would put on you know Anthony Hamilton and and Bobby Brown and and uh, you know. Luther, Van Ross, and, and all these R&B singers. And then we, I would listen to it at my grandmother's house with my grandmother and my grandfather. They would put it on. My cousins would put it on. You know, so I, I'm very grateful that I, I am... I like to claim myself as very well-rounded with different communities and different cultures. You know, I, I, really, I really do. And I don't want to come off as that type of person that, what was that, I forget her name, that one woman who was blatantly white, but then she, like, got her, oh, right, right. yeah, she curly, like, she got her hair curly, and she was claiming that she was black, and it was just a whole shit show. I'm not trying to be like that at all. Uh, I, I, I'm just saying that, you know, I, that, that was my upbringing. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. You know, despite how I look, despite how I sound, I went through that when I was little. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through the different types of cultures and different households and stuff like that. And uh, that has a very, very big part of who I am today because I can relate to different communities. I can relate to different cultures. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I know how it is to be black. I know the black struggle. I'm not saying that at all because I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. But I'm saying in terms of, in terms of the, the pop culture side of those, of those communities you know, or the lifestyle side of those communities, I know a good amount. Mm-hmm. You know? But I don't know everything. I don't know what it's like to be bullied for the color of my skin. You know, I don't know what it's like to be rejected because of the color of my skin. I don't. So I'm not saying that I know how it is. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that I know when it comes to certain things, certain elements inside the, the, the community or the culture, I can relate to it mm-hmm. because I was, li- or I was raised around it, in and around it. And uh, so, yeah, so I was, I was you know, that happened. And uh, it, was a, it was a really good time, man. Really good time. We would go over there, spend time with, with her, try to spend as much time as I can. But, you know, I was only a kid, you know, going to school. And, you know, when it was summer vacation, I would try to go over there and see her and, and uh, see my grandfather as well. Well, my grandfather, on, you know, who she was married with. But I have another. I have my mom's mom, who's also my grandfather as well. Um, but um, so she passed. My grandmother passed away in, in 2013. And uh, that was very hard on me because she felt, I felt, I felt like she was the glue that, that stuck everyone together, stuck all the cousins together. Everyone went over to grandma's house for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Christmas Eve, you know, sometimes we do Easter or, you know, the holidays. And uh, her not being there anymore and me realizing that really, really hurt me. And I cried. I cried a lot when she when she gone when she called when she left. Uh, I did that 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 really really stung me when that happened. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, so that that was a big factor of who I am, of who I am today. You know, uh, of the type of person that I, I like to believe that I am, of the type of person that I've been told that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, so 
going back even further than that, you know, early 2000s, 2000, 2001, uh, we were living with this man who was uh, in a wheelchair. He was wheelchair bound. This was before, before my mother got married to, to Malcolm, you know, before my little sister was born, I was the youngest. This is like 1999 to 2000, around there. I know I'm jumping back and forth, but you know, it just keeps popping, some stuff keeps popping in my head that I keep forgetting to talk about and stuff. So I tried to go in order, but um, we, we lived with this guy and uh, I really connected with him well as a, as a father figure. You know, because I was really young and I didn't have my real father in my life. Mm-hmm. I still don't. Um, uh, so I didn't, I just had my mom, you know. I didn't really have that, I didn't even have that older brother figure. Because I don't have any brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't have any biological brothers as far as I know. You know, I don't have any old, uh, biological brothers. So, um, I didn't have any other male type of uh, family connection, you know. Besides my cousins, which I would see here and there. Um, so we lived with this man, and he was, he was very, very, uh, very nice. He was very kind, considerate, excuse me, caring, just an overall good guy. He was bound to a wheelchair, and my mom, uh, you know, they fell in love and stuff, and we lived with him for some time. I went to school. I went to Penrose Elementary uh, in, uh, I think that's in southwest Philly. I don't even know if it's there anymore. But his, uh, his apartment complex, which was made for handicapped people, was in, in, in uh, Eastwick, which is southwest Philly. And uh, we lived there for a time. And then 9-11 happened. We lived, we lived there uh, when that happened. And I remember that day, clear as day. My mother picked me up early from school because she was afraid that something would happen at the school because aside from Manhattan, there was the other plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And my mother heard about that and she did the right thing as a mother and she went to go get her kids. So she picked me up early and uh, she was trying to do her best to explain what was going on. I was, what, I don't even know, seven maybe? Some, around there. And I remember watching the coverage of it live on TV with her and with my older sister and with... Uh, his name's Antonio uh, the guy in the wheelchair and I remember watching it with some neighbors even neighbors came over to our place to all watch it together you know it wasn't like people were watching it in their own separate everyone got together because this was you know it was a big thing 9-11 and I was I remember watching it and I was just devastated that I don't want to say that traumatized me because it it didn't really traumatize me because it didn't it wasn't on a personal level Mm -hmm. but it, it kind of opened my eyes at a young age because while I was watching it, that was, that was the first experience of, of reckless hate against humans. Mm-hmm. That was my first experience of humans terrorizing another group of humans. You know, I didn't really know what war was. I didn't know what terrorists were. I had no idea that really was like oh my god like I was and it was New York too and I was as a kid the only thing that I knew about New York is that we're from there you know all, all I knew is like we're from New York and, and now something's happening in New York where people are dying you know they, they have videos and coverage of, of new, news coverage of people just 
dropping like like out of the sky, you know, just just jumping out of the out of the windows, and I was watching that, and that was like I said, that was the first experience of 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 violence, of real violence. You know, it wasn't a movie, it wasn't wrestling, it wasn't cartoons, it wasn't video games. It was real life. It was a real act of terrorism. It was a real act of hate uh, towards Americans, towards a group of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that always stuck with me, you know. Um, and to this day, I don't, I don't enjoy listening to 9-11 jokes. I don't enjoy, you know, people saying it's an inside job, it was a conspiracy. Believe what you want to believe. You have your beliefs, and I have mine. Mine is that it wasn't, and it was a real act of terrorism. And I don't like talking about it that much because the people that don't agree with me, they always say, oh, I can bring up facts. I can bring up this. I can bring up that. And I'm not trying to argue with you. Right. I'm not trying to prove that it was, it was an act of, of, like it was a real act of war or, or act of terrorism. I'm not trying to prove my side. I'm just saying that you have your beliefs and I have mine. That's it. And what I believe is that it wasn't a conspiracy. You know, it was a real, real uh, act of hate, act of, of terrorism. Uh, it was a tragedy. Be, be it, be it a, a conspiracy or not, be it an inside job or not, you can't deny that it was not a tragedy. Right. Thousands have lost their lives because of it. And that's why I don't like listening to anybody's joke about it either. Right. It's just, it's, those are people's brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews that are dead today because of that. And they still mourn them to this day. So for you to make a joke about that, it's disrespectful to the, to the families who still mourn to this day for losing them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't like that. And that's why 9-11 to me is a touchy subject. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, cause I saw it firsthand as a kid. You know? But it's different today because kids today, when they make those jokes, they, weren't, they, they, didn't, they didn't see it live. They didn't watch it live. They weren't even born. Right. You know? The generation that's before us is the, the post-9-11 generation. You know? Or what have you, whatever the official title is, but that's the truth. Like my little sister, my little sister was born in two thousand four. She didn't see it live. I mean, she doesn't make jokes about it, but she, you know, she doesn't know. She never experienced that as a young age—a real act of hate, a real act of terrorism towards a group of people. So it's different for her than compared to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I sympathize with a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. You know, a lot of different issues going on in the world today. It's it's. Especially for kids at such a young age going on. What, what's going on overseas for them, man? It's just, it was bad enough for me watching it on TV. Imagine these kids that are actually going through it in real life in front of their, in front of their eyes. It's just sad. But that, that also has a, has, a, has a big factor as to who I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, 9-11, you know, be it how many years ago... That, that really changed uh, I don't want to say changed because I was still being raised but that that is a big factor as to who I am today you yeah. know of, of what what the type of person I want to be yeah. what the type of person I, I strive to be you know and that's just a just overall good person you know um, so that that happened and uh, 
so it's it's a combination between that, you know, being raised in, in different types of cultured households, also not being accepted and, and, and thinking, am I good enough? Uh, am I am I Puerto Rican enough, quote unquote? Am I am I Latino enough to be expect uh, accepted with my peers? Um, a lot of different things happened, and uh, a lot of different things run through my mind when I was when I was uh, growing up and being raised as to like you know what's what's what what is what is what am I mm-hmm. you know but I know who I am I know exactly who I am I'm Jamie Martinez I'm 25 years old at, at the time of this recording and uh, like you said I'm human you know I'm human that you know everyone has their own personal experiences uh, their own story their their own demons their own everything but we all have one common one thing in common that, that we're all human you know and I love who I am I do I do it took me some time to to accept who I am and to to really like you know figure out who I am but I know who I am it's exactly who I am I'm like I'm like nobody else I like what I like I don't like what I don't like <laughs> uh, I've experienced what I experienced I'm still experiencing everything that that's being thrown at me in life uh, I I can say with confidence that I am one of a kind and I love that about myself uh, I I love myself I do I do I love myself I love the person who I am my mother uh, did a fantastic job raising me teaching me right from wrong um, you know my teachers, my great teachers that I've had that stuck with me to this day, you know, uh, going through the education system, even up till college, you know, they did a great job, you know, uh, teaching me what's what and, and what you should do, and how to be a good person. And even my close friends, too. They, they, the people in my life, I'm very grateful. A lot of things, I, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, like... Uh, like in second grade, <laughs> in second grade, I got held back. Mm-hmm. I got held back. I was actually supposed to graduate in your class, 2012. Okay. I was supposed to graduate in 2012. Uh, I, I went to third grade. They noticed that I was struggling, so they held me back to, to second grade again. Or to second grade, the first, just to second grade. And uh, that pushed me back my graduation year from 2012 to 2013. And then when, when that first happened to me, I was really bummed because all my friends and stuff that I made were no longer with me. But I quickly made new friends in, in, in that grade, even though I got held back. And those are friends that I, like I said before, I still talk to this day. Like my, one of my best friends, he's the guitarist in my band. Mm-hmm. I met him in fourth grade. We, he, we're in the same graduation, graduating class of 2013. If I didn't get held back, I... I wouldn't have met him. I wouldn't have met a good amount of my good friends that I, I know today. I'm sure we would have met later in life, but it wouldn't have been such a strong level that it is now, mm-hmm. you know, because we met when we were so young. So, um, yeah, so that, that happened, and uh, I met so many wonderful people because of that. And that doesn't even bother me anymore that that happened to me. Yeah. You know, even in high school, it didn't bother me. You know, 
sometimes I would think like, damn, like, if I didn't get held back in fucking second grade, like, <laughs> I would have already graduated by now. I would have been already fucking done. But then I think like, you know, like, you know, I wouldn't have met such amazing people, yeah. you know, during my journey, uh, through high school or through through school in general. So, um, and that was that was during a time where you know middle school. Going into middle school, that was a, a, a time of, of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Big time. Big self-discovery time, you know, for, for a lot of kids. Almost for every kid. Right. You know, growing up in that time, 5th, 6th, 7th, even 8th grade, you know, big time 8th grade, you're figuring out what you like and what you don't like. You know, you're figuring out what, it's more of what you, it's more than just what foods you don't like and what foods you like. It's more mm-hmm. than just what what teams you cheer on it's more than just you know what video games you like you know it's you're starting to blossom and bloom into a young adult and uh, you you start to think about partners and you start to think about girlfriends and, and, and girls think about boyfriends and all that stuff even though you think about it younger too but it's all just you know puppy love you know whatever it's just and it's all in good fun, too, because it's always like, oh, you know, they, they're kissing or, you know, they, they have a girlfriend or whatever. But when you get to that age in middle school, uh, it starts to become a little more apparent, right. you know. And then beginning of high school, too. And uh, for me, when I was 14, I, I realized that I, was, uh, that I wasn't straight. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I went down the shore. It was uh, I was at a beach or down like the boardwalk, and um, I was with my friend and my friend's family. They invited me. I was it was good friends. It was my good friend, and they invited me. Uh, they told him that <laughs> they told him that he can bring one friend with them, and he chose me. So I went down there with him, and we spent the week. I think a, like ten days or something uh, down there. And I had a great time, and uh, that is when I realized that I wasn't straight. I was uh, something else. I was bisexual. That's when I figured that out because I I noticed myself. I caught myself looking at both genders when I was down there. You know, being down the shore, being at the beach when you're a kid. You know, when you're a teen. Mm-hmm. You know, in the middle of puberty with raging hormones. You know. You're gonna be looking at a lot of people, right? Especially people around your age, you know. Uh, you're gonna be looking at girls, you know. And in my case, I was looking at both guys and girls. And that's when I—that's when I realized it. Because I didn't—I didn't have one single grain of a thought before before I went down the shore to discover that. I didn't know I was gonna discover it, mm-hmm. you know. I had no idea, but. Before, before that all happened, leading up to it at all, my entire life, I had no idea. I just thought I was straight. I didn't think of guys that way, you know. I barely even thought of girls that way until I, got, until I hit puberty. Mm-hmm. Some people, you'll hear them say their story and they say that they knew right away. They knew as early as four years old, five years old. Some people do. They know very early. Mm-hmm. Some people know later in life. I was 14 years old, and uh, I, 
I realized that I was because I felt myself being attracted to both. And it was shocking for me. And it was scary too. It was, it was shocking because I was, I, I never thought that I would be. But lo and behold, I, I was. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's when it, that's when it figured, that's when I found it out. And, uh, it was scary. It was scary. It was very scary because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, do I keep it under wraps? Do I, do I be free with it? Like, I gotta look up, I gotta look into like what the repercussions would be. You know, then you hear these horror stories of like parents trying to like do conversion therapy or disown their kid. Like they don't accept them for being uh, different, for being gay or, or bisexual and you know, and then your friend. I thought about my friends, which I needed my friends at such a, a such a critical time. I needed them because I was in school, mm-hmm. I was a teenager. You know, I needed that social interaction with people. So I thought to myself, if I come out to people, like to my friends, what if no one accepts me? Then I'll be alone. Then I'll have no friends. Then I'll be bullied. Then I'll be picked on. Then, you know, rumors start or, or this, that, and the other and stuff like that. And I, I got scared. I got really, really scared when I realized it, you know. And it, it wasn't like a, a phase or, a, or like a bi-curious type of thing. It's, it, I knew exactly when, when, it, when it hit you. When it hits you, when you, when you think you know and you, you find yourself very attracted to both or even to one, you know. You just know. Mm-hmm. Just like how a straight person just knows. Mm-hmm. A gay person just knows. A bisexual person, they just know. It, it depends on the person. You know, I'm not saying that there can't be any confusion. Mm-hmm. There can be. And that's just that person figuring themselves out. Right. But they'll still know at the end of the day. They're going to know exactly what they like and what they want. So that was very that was a very uh, scary time for me, uh, because of because of my age and because of the social my social status. I was very I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything because I'm pretty modest, but I was I was pretty popular in school. Mm-hmm. A lot of people knew me in middle school. A lot of people knew me. Uh, not so much going into high school because I switched school districts and I switched you know I went to Philly right. you know and stuff like that, but. Uh, in middle school when I found out I thought man I can't I can't tell people because they're not going to accept me I didn't know any I didn't know any gay or lesbian kids in my school that I can comfortably talk to about it I didn't want to be like hey I'm going to tell you something I'm bisexual and then be like yo right Jamie's, you know, this, this, you know, I, I was, that was another fear of mine, mm-hmm. you know, that who, who can I tell that won't tell somebody else? Right. So it, <laughs> it took me quite some time. I took, it was all under wraps. Very, very secretive to me. It was, I didn't tell mm-hmm. anybody until, until I came back to Academy Park mm-hmm. my junior year. I told my one very good friend, he knows who he is, if he's listening, you know exactly who you are. I told him and him only. And my heart was racing so fast. Because I didn't tell anybody at all. 
He was the first person I ever came out to. And I did not expect what, like, I didn't know what to expect. You know, before I did it, I looked up, like, you know, coming out YouTube stories, you know, because people put up their YouTube, their coming out story on YouTube. And I put, I looked up, like, you know, tips and stuff like that. And, but you know, you never know what the person, you know, the person could be accepting or the person, because I was at his house and we were hanging out. It was me, him, and a few other friends. And I, I don't know what told me. Something told me to like take him to the side, take him to the kitchen or, or away from everyone else and just tell him because it was just on my chest. But I didn't know how he was going to react. He could react with open arms or he could tell me, yo, get the fuck out of my house. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful and very fortunate that when I told him, he was very accepting yeah. and that was one of the biggest weights lifted off my shoulders now I'm not publicly out but now somebody in the somebody else in the world besides myself knows that I'm bisexual right. and that's a pretty good feeling yeah. that's a pretty good feeling and it, it stayed just as him you know, because it, it took me so much courage to build up to tell somebody. It took me quite a while to tell more people. Mm-hmm. I only told very, very, very close friends that I trusted. Mm-hmm. And more, you know, it started to grow. More people started to know. More people started to know. And, and But I told them, please don't tell anything. Please don't yeah. say anything. You know, if you're my friend, you would respect this request that I have for you. And you would, you would adhere to this. Please don't tell anybody. Let me come out to them. Mm-hmm. You know, let me tell your parents. Let me tell such and such. Let me tell, you know, it has to be me. Please don't say, oh, did you, like, you know, don't, don't say anything. But Jamie told me that he's such and such, you know, but you didn't hear from me. You know, don't, please don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and they didn't. Um, but one friend did. And it's the same friend who I told the very, very first time. My very, very first friend that I trusted with, he did tell somebody else. But I didn't learn about it until like last year. Yeah. Yep. The friend that he told, he was a mutual friend from both of us. I was hanging out with him and I wanted to come out to the friend that he told. And I was in his car, and we just had dinner, and I said, look, you know, uh, Jay, I'll call him Jay, just for privacy purposes, uh, you're, uh, you're a really good friend of mine, you know, I consider you one of my brothers, and I have something to tell you that I haven't been telling you, and I have something to tell you that I should tell you, um, and I told him, and he's like, he says, Jamie, I really do appreciate you coming out to me, I know this is hard for you, and this is, you know, very, very supportive, very respecting, very, you know, open with it. And, but he tells me, he's like, I don't want you to be mad, but I kind of already knew this. And I was shocked. I said, how, was it the way I was talking? Was it the way that I was, you know, walking? Like, how how I dressed? Like, how did you know? Like, and he said, such and such told me. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. And, and he's, he also said, as soon as he told me, he said, damn, I feel so fucking bad for telling you. 
So the friend that I first told in the beginning, mm-hmm. the very first person, he told somebody else my secret, but then he regretted it big time. He regretted it. He felt so bad for telling somebody else because he mm-hmm. broke my trust and he broke my secret. You know? And I forgive him for that. Yeah. I forgive him for that. It's nothing but love. Seriously. You know? Um, I'm not going to hold that against him uh, for X amount of years or right. forever, you know? Um, does, does it sting? Sure. And it probably would have hurt a lot more if I would have found out during that time. But this is nearly, you know, six, seven, eight, maybe eight years later. It's okay. Yeah. You know, because now I like to be public with it, yeah. you know. Um, but not, not public to where I'm flaunting it around, mm-hmm. you know. Just like how a lot of straight people don't say, you know, oh, I'm straight, I'm straight this, you know, I'm, I'm you know, this, that, and the third. Like, you know, I, I, oh, I'm sorry, it's because I'm straight or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. You know, I'm very personal with my sexuality. Mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be prideful and I'll be proud and uh, I mean I am proud, but I'll be publicly proud and open and everything to it when it's deemed uh, appropriate. Like during Pride Month. Mm-hmm. During Pride Month, yes, I will be very very open with it and proud to be who I am. But I'm not going to be one of these type of people the type of person that's obnoxious about their sexuality all year round. Mm-hmm. It's not who I am. It's not. Um, so that is another big factor as to, you know, big component as to who I am, my sexuality. Yeah. You know, being bisexual, being, you know, liking both, you know, mm-hmm. talking to both men and women, you know, and I love it. Yeah. I do. I, I love it. I, like, it's to the point... <laughs> It's to the point where I really, really can't imagine myself being just one. I, I really can't. I can't imagine myself being just gay. Like, just being gay. And I can't imagine myself being straight. I love both. I really do. You know? It's kind of to the... I don't want to say it's kind of to the point, but it's similar to a straight person who is very arrogant or ignorant when it comes to homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where they're a homophobe. Right. You know, where they're like, oh, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. How can you like dudes? Like, I just don't get it. Like, I, I could never, I could never, I love being straight. I, I just can't, like, I just don't, you know, that's a homophobic Response or a homophobic statement, or you know, I just don't, I don't know. I just, I mean, maybe it's it is or isn't, you know, for some people, but that's that's how I feel about being bisexual. It's it's to the point where I just can't, I wouldn't see myself living a life of just being one or the other, you know. Yeah. And there's that old, disgusting stigma of oh, bisexual people are just they're just greedy. They're just horny people and they just, they don't care what they fuck. They just want to fuck. No, it's not true at all. It's not true at all. Bisexual people are still people and they still want to find love, be it guy or girl. You know, we have an unconditional amount of love to give 
and that's so untrue when someone says, oh, bisexual people can't be committed because they're so horny for both. They just want both. Or bisexual people are just gay. Alright, so this is still Jamie's um, story. Uh, the, it, it ended kind of abruptly because what I'm using, um, I guess it cuts short at the hour mark, and I didn't know that. So um, we were kind of wrapping up anyway, so Jamie, uh, we're just going to pass it over to Jamie, and this is going to be his final thoughts, okay? Yeah, so uh, like I was saying, um, and like Shai was saying, this is going to be just the final thoughts uh, about it. And uh, if you listen to the entire thing, I just want to thank you uh, for sticking uh, with us the entire time. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to what I had to say. Um, I just also want to say if there's anybody out there that's listening to this and if you can relate to any of these uh, challenges that I've went through in my life or, or anything like that, uh, just know that you're not alone. Um, you know, either being accepted into society or in, accepted in, in, in your own personal, you know, in your culture, if you think you're not, if you're not good enough, if you're not, you know, uh, if you're not valid, uh, you are. You are valid. You are good enough. Uh, it doesn't matter who says anything negative to you uh, or who disagrees with you. Um, you know, you are Spanish enough. You are Asian enough. You are black enough. You know, you're not whitewashed. You're not Americanized. You're not, you know, such and such. Whatever they say, you are who you are. And you should be happy and proud of that. Be comfortable for who you are in this life. Because this was the life that you were given by, be it a higher power or not, this is who you are in this life. It doesn't matter what you believe in. At the end of the day, you are who you are. Just like I am who I am, Shai is who he is, everybody. Um, your characteristics and your, your experiences make who you are. And, uh, yeah, so... Just know that you're not alone, and other people out there experience the same types of issues, similar issues. I don't want to say the exact same, but similar issues to yours, and you can relate to other people. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for supporting Shy's podcast, and uh, we will uh, we'll be in, we'll be in touch, Shy and I. We'll, we'll do another episode sure. about yeah. different topics and stuff. So, um, again, thank you so much. And uh, remember who you are. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for being yep. on here.